This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. When your personal investments need help to reach your retirement dreams and navigating the complex world of financial planning requires an experienced manager, that's when you know you're ready for prime time. Welcome to Prime Time Money on Zoomer Radio with Richard Infantino, Senior Wealth Advisor at RBC Dominion Securities. Hey, good morning and welcome everybody to Canada's only money show dedicated to those of you 50 plus and your overall investment tax and estate planning and your direct link to all of North America's top money managers with the best ideas on how you can grow your money. And talking about investment tax and estate planning and North America's top managers, we have all of that today. Yeah, we do. Are you over 65? Because we have a special guide for you, and it's called the 2023 Financial Planning Strategies for those 65 and over. Because in our tax system, in our strategy system, there's lots of different opportunities for those that are over 65. And of course, when you're doing planning, you want to do two things. You want to preserve your wealth and you want to grow your wealth at the same time. And the best way to do that is to minimize the amount of tax that you're paying and maximize the strategy in terms of what you're doing in terms of tax planning and, you know, providing for your estate. So I have five strategies that you can use right now that's only available to those that are 65 and over. So if you're in that age group, stay tuned because we're going to talk all about that. And joining us today in terms of North America's top money managers, we're going to talk about North America. Stephen Dench is with us and he's going to talk about um, the best stocks that he has available with dividends that are a great buy right now in this market right now. So we're kind of honing it down a little bit. We're not going to talk about the potential of, you know, long-term. We want to know if I had money today and I'm going to invest money, where are some good opportunities? Because there are. And when you're looking at uh, dividend companies um, in Canada, United States, they've kind of lagged the companies that have really taken off. And most of those are the big name technology companies. So the other ones look a little bit sleepy, but what that does for you is it gives you a bigger dividend because the value of these companies have come down. So now you're getting a, a bigger, juicier dividend with the company and you're buying it at a discount. So you're buying something that's, you know, low in value. And that's the idea is to buy something that's lower, that has the opportunity to go higher and at the same time pay you a dividend. Okay. Are you over 65? Do you want some tax and estate strategies that are exclusive to you? Stay right there. I'll give you five of the best. I'm Richard Infantino and you're listening to Primetime Money. Okay, we're back. You're listening to Richard Infantino on Primetime Money. And you know, preserving and growing your wealth may involve a lot of um, tax strategies, estate planning strategies to suit your personal circumstances. While some of these strategies are good to know at any age, there are many that are available for those just 65 and older. We're going to focus on those. And I'm going to go through these kind of rapid fire round, and uh, but I have a guide for you. So if I go too quick, just give us a call after and I'm going to send you the guidebook that has all of these in it. So let's Get rolling. Number one would be income splitting. So there's different strategies involved with income splitting. You have to be over 65 to split your RIF and your LIF. And that's the main thing is that you could be retired at age 64 and then you turn 65. Spouse is also um, retired. You can actually split the income, convert your RSP to a RIF early at age 65, and then split that income between both of you. Uh, Because a lot of times what I run into with our clients is one spouse 
most times has a, a larger RSP than the other spouse. It's very rare that we run into both spouses having the exact amount of money. So it's a great strategy to be able to uh, split income as once you turn 65 is to split that RIF uh, and lift income. And you can also remember that we've talked about this on the show. You can, um, you know, uh, when you have a, when you're going from a Lira to a lift, you can actually take out 50% of it and move it over to a RIF and then lower the amount that's in the lift account. That's all in the, in the guidebook as well. Uh, the tax minimization strategies kind of evolve more around, um, you know, taking care of uh, RSP accounts and splitting RSP and doing a spousal RSP, all of those types of things. And if you're 71 this year, um, remember there's a strategy involved with uh, doing your final tax return, uh, your, sorry, your final RRSP contribution. So if you're 71 next year, once you click into 2024, you can't do an RSP contribution like everybody else at the end of February. You have to do it before the end of December. So remember that. Plus you can do two of them if you're still working or if you have, you're going to have, if you're working this year and you're going to have a T4 slip this year from work, there's a strategy involved with doing two tax, um, two RSP contributions at the end of the year and counting one for this year and counting one for next year. So that's a great strategy for those of you that are over 65. Of course, government benefits, benefits, you got old age security there. At age 65, you can start drawing that. You can split that. You can split CPP. That's important to you. At age 60, you can do that. Um, another thing that you can do that's that's interesting is that you can, uh, you know, gifting. So gifting assets to children and grandchildren during your lifetime is a simple strategy because you can, once you pay the tax, you can basically give the money to them. Another thing is that once you turn 65, we have time for a couple more here. Um, there's tax credits involved. So you're 65 and older, you can claim what's called an age amount on your tax return. The age amount is a federal and it's non-refundable tax credit of $1,259. So it's uh, basically the way they calculate it, it's 15% of $8,396. So that's important. So that's a credit that's available to you just because you've turned 65. The other thing you got to remember too is there, you're allowed $2,000 um, of eligible um, pension amount for individuals when you're over 65. So what, what's that all mean? Basically what you can do is this. Say, for instance, you're retired and you have an RSP account and you're 65 years old. You convert the RSP to a RIF. And if you take that money out of a RIF, that counts as pension. And then you can use up that $2,000 credit. Okay? So now I'm retired. I have an RSP. My spouse may have an RSP. I don't, maybe I don't even need the money. What I can do is I convert 2000 of my RSP to a RIF, take it out. I'm going to get a T4 RIF slip. The T4 RIF slip counts as pension income. Now I have a credit for the first 2000 And basically what you're going to do is match the credit against the income, the $2,000 T4 slip, and pay virtually very little tax, if no tax at all, on that amount that you can get out. So those are tax strategies involved with once you turn 65. Now, there's more to it than that. And I have a great guidebook. It's called the 2023 Financial Planning Strategies for Seniors. And it talks about income splitting. It talks about government benefits. So it talks about OAS, CPP, tax-free savings account, the age amount on your tax credits, your pension income that we talked about. It also talks about um, trust planning. So um, while you're alive, there's... There's a trust called an inter vivos trust. So if you have a large amount of money that you may not need, you want to put it into a trust. And once you're over 65, you can pay a lower tax rate in there. That's called an inter vivos trust. Testamentary trusts come out that you set up, and then it will come out once you uh, pass away as part of your will. There's gifting assets 
in-kind donations. Uh, we've talked about that a bit on the uh, show here where you take a stock that has a capital gain to it, pick up that stock certificate, give it to the charity. You get a deduction from the charitable donation, plus you, you don't have to pay the cash, the tax on the capital gain. So that's um, very tax advantage for you and a great way to be charitable. Uh, charitable remainder trust is another trust you can set up. Um, and then estate planning evolves around if you have U.S. estate properties and you have Canadian estate and all those types of issues uh, regarding wills, probate, powers of attorney, and all of that. So it's all in one guidebook. And the best part, of course, it's free for the asking. All you got to do is call Dominic now, one 891 26 37. That's one 891 26 37 and ask her for the 2023 financial planning strategies for those 65 plus. Okay, so there you go. Are you looking for some stocks that have some juicy dividends that are a great buy right now? Stay right there. Stephen Dench of AGF will join us with his best ideas. I'm Richard Infantino and you're listening to Primetime Money. Okay, we're back. You're listening to Richard Infantino on Primetime Money, and it's dividend stock time. And joining us to talk all about that is Stephen Dench. He's the Vice President and Portfolio Manager at AGF Investments. Hey, good morning, Stephen. Thanks for uh, taking the time out here to join us here today. Hey, no problem, Richard. Uh, thanks for having me back. Yeah, we wanted to talk to you about, um, you know, dividend stocks. You know, this year so far, and, you know, probably at 12 months, hasn't been a good year for dividends, which creates, in my mind, creates a a good opportunity here for dividend stocks, particularly North American uh, companies, so Canada and the United States. And I know you guys have a fund that is called the North American Dividend Fund. Tell us about what you're doing there. Yeah, we, you know, uh, I agree. It's the dividend stocks have definitely been a little bit out of favor recently, as you know, interest rates have gone higher, and there is alternatives that are out there. But uh, we believe that you know there is a lot of opportunity, specifically in North America, just not on the just not only on the sustainability of a lot of those dividends, but just in this weakness in a lot of this space, just the yields are much higher now, and even in excess of those bond yields. So we run a North American dividend fund. We do run it um, with both quantitative and fundamental inputs. You know, we have a deep quantitative team. We have a lot of different bottom-up and top-down models to dictate where to focus our fundamental expertise. Uh, So we have fundamental sector analysts that make the final decision with myself on, you know, what stocks uh, we would pick um, from those quantitative inputs. Uh, But it's been good. You know, it yields uh, around 3% in this North American dividend fund. Um, And then we actually get a further 1% from options. So we do sell calls and sell puts um, tactically. So it's something that is different than what's out there on the street. Uh, we believe. And so all together to run a 4% uh, yield on this fund. Um, and uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's, we're just trying to create a, a, you know, a good experience for you know, our clients and shareholders over a full market cycle. Like when you're talking about uh, quantitative, explain to the listeners, you know, you know, how when you're looking at uh, fundamentals of the company, you know, what they do and who the management is, when you do quantitative and add that, what's quantitative focusing on? Yeah, really quantitative, just the immense amount of data that's out there. So there's alternative data inputs, you know, there's even machine learning and AI, which is quite a topic nowadays. So it's taking, you know, just the ability to process the immense amount of data that's out there to find any dislocations that are out there in the market. And so doing it fundamentally is tough because, you know, to scale it to, you know, every North American dividend stock, you know, it's very tough. Um, So you need you know, that kind of quantitative ability to be efficient 
with right. uh, you know scaling that analysis. So that's really that's really it. It's really just kind of making our decision making process more efficient, making our decision making process unbiased, um, and at least steering us in the right direction uh, for success. That's really um, you know I say the premise of quantitative investing. And yeah, that's a big reason why you go with a uh, you know mutual fund or a manager with an ETF is because you know the individual out there doesn't have that kind of ability to you know have the the background and the people and the and the and the, all the uh, computerization that you guys have to be able to do that kind of work. Yeah, we we have a we've, we've put a lot of investment on that, both the computational power, databasing, um, you, even just yeah, databasing the, alone. Yeah, sure. Yeah, they the, our team in terms of PhDs, we have you know say seven <laughs> PhDs on our team. They're all Ontario universities and stuff. So it's just a and that's just the quant team. So yeah. our quantitative team, uh, we're very proud of what we built there because um, you need that academic rigor to make sure you're doing it properly and you're not just data mining and, and, and that sort of thing. So, you know, uh, you have to put that legwork to make sure you're doing quantitative analysis correctly. Yeah, yeah, no, that, that makes a lot of sense. You know, it's not like you just go to some website and see a buy idea and then, uh, you know, invest in it, that's for sure. Yeah. Uh, um, so now what's, what would be the asset allocation of that kind of North American? Is it, is it split 50-50? It's around 50-50, yes, yeah. in and around there, uh, 50% Canada, 50% non-Canada, so that would be U.S. and a few very uh, large-cap, high-quality European or Japanese companies, so all developed right. market. Um, but that's generally, when you see North American funds out there um, in the industry, it's, it, for Canadian-based um, you know, advisors, it's generally on 50% Canadian and then, uh, and then 50% non-Canadian assets. Oh, okay, well, that's good. Um, like in terms of um, currency, do you do anything with the uh, the other currencies? Yeah, well, I mean, everything, anything to protect our shareholders on downside or potentially benefit. Uh, we do hedge, uh, or we or so we we're active. So we use we use hedging as a as a way to uh, defend some of our returns and also to potentially get returns. Um, so currently, right now, um, you know, we are a little bit unhedged. We were benefiting from the U.S. dollar strength versus the CAD the last few months. You know, a few months ago, the Canadian dollar was on a pretty good, pretty good rally. It yeah. seemed like that it was a very crowded trade. Um, so we, that's we, we like anything in our positioning. Um, you know, we we quantitative and fundamental to make a currency view. Uh, but yeah, we both do it for defense and offense. So your call now is that the um, U.S. dollar should be a little bit stronger against the Canadian dollar? I think the easy money might have been made on it. I, I yeah. do think that there might be a little bit more upside on it, yeah. potentially, uh, especially when we kind of look for the rest of this year and, you know, and where, where, how, how the economies are doing, especially diverging between the U.S. and Canada. The consumers are, couldn't be more different in terms of the health on, on each side of the border. Um, you know, rate trajectory, like who actually can raise more rates without breaking the back of their economy. So I do think, uh, and then I'll, and then position, I do think U.S. dollar uh, underweight and U.S. dollar short across the world is actually still fairly consensus. Yeah. So you still might get a bit of a counter trend rally globally on the U.S. dollar that would just would benefit it versus uh, versus a Canadian currency. So we're, we're cognizant of that, but it has run pretty good here the last month and a half. Um, so yeah, we're not ready to completely neutralize that and just and just hedge everything away. Uh, but uh, so we do think there's a bit more upside for U.S. dollar, especially given potential risk off tones in the market over the okay. next couple months. Yeah. So so you're saying like that 
the notes that we sent out, we're, we're talking a little bit about risk off for the next couple of months. So I guess you guys are in the same camp. Yeah, you yeah. know, it's you know, I don't feel too heroic to say it when you're you know when you're in a seasonally weak period and <laughs> yeah, stuff. Exactly, but, yeah. but when you look at it, it, we were through the earnings period and it was fine. It you know there was I think the expectations were very bearish, obviously. So it's not tough to beat bearish expectations, um, and we did. Earnings came in a little bit better than expected, but you just kind of step back and look at everything else going on and where rates are. You know where we are and where we are in the summer, and there's seasonal aspects to this market for sure. I just think you know the narrowness in this market that we really saw in Q2 with you know the magnificent seven tech stocks, basically guiding the entire market higher. You know I think that uh, will uh, will not happen again uh, for for quite some time. So that. This is a little bit heavier at the top level of the market when some of the bigger names across the world just don't act as well. Um, we have noticed the market has broadened out the last few months. We do continue. We do believe that will continue. Um, so it, I'm not saying we, uh, that we have a uh, particularly bearish view over the next two months. It's just a flat market. Yeah, you know, I think it would, would be fine. It just that euphoria that we saw in Q2, especially in May, I just think that, um, you know, I think the market just needs some time to digest before yeah. we continue our... Yeah, that, that, that's our call too, Stephen. Uh, thanks for that. Um, let's talk about a couple of stocks that you like now. Let's, uh, you know, sure. given you have new money coming in the fund, what would you be buying here today? Yeah, the, I, there is there is some opportunities, you know, so one I'll actually give that's within the information technology space, but it might not be a household name, fairly defensive tech company. It's Motorola Solutions. Uh, okay. The ticker is MSI. Um, so, the, you know, they do surveillance, they do uh, communications. Um, so it's one of those, you know, I do think that safety is a big concern nowadays out there in North America, especially in some of our bigger cities. So these would be the guys that create, you know, body cams and kind of smart cities and, and just and, and, and things having to do with those themes. Their earnings and their um, fundamentals have continued to show great momentum. But it, they haven't, the stock, because it's not one of those household names like Microsoft or Apple or NVIDIA or something, it's trailed the space. So we just came out of a quarter that I reported a week or so ago, and it, and it raised guidance. You know, and so we like that, and we love when companies continue to raise guidance, and they have a very good history of that, and it's not being rewarded because it's not one of those sexy tech names. Right. And uh, so we do believe that's a low beta tech name um, that I do think that people will continue to gravitate to. So yeah. that's Motorola Solutions. Um, uh, that's in the U.S. Uh, a Canadian name, which is it feels a bit contrarian. I know the last time I was on this call, I, I pitched Nutrien as a stock pick, um, and I do think that there is a bit of upside still for Nutrien. Okay. Um, but this one would be a little bit more defensive, given you know potential as we go to the end of this year. Uh, for you know, you never really know what happens in the market, but it seems like this is giving you, or at least paying you to wait, and that's Embridge. Uh, so Embridge, the stock has has uh, done very poorly, even with the commodity complex of uh, oil and gas, finding a footing and doing quite well in recent months. Um, you know, it's yielding, you know, over 7.5%, uh, and, that's, and that's stable yield. They, will, they do not have funding issues where they'll have to cut that. Um, you know, any of these interest-sensitive defensives have really underperformed, so you could really pick your favorite telco or traditional utility or pipeline. Uh, we just like Enbridge a bit more just because it is a bit more healthy fundamentally, and, uh, and you're getting paid quite handsomely, um, you know, to wait out or at least have a hedge on, um, you know, let's say any negative potential in this market. At some point, 
Rich, as we progress to the next few quarters, there's likely going to be a bond rally. You know, yeah. the bonds have not behaved very well recently. It's been a good place to be with equities and, you know, money market or cash, obviously with cash yielding exceptional yield right now. Yeah. It's been a great 5%, call. Over 5%, sure. Exactly. Yeah. I just think the bonds, I think at some point when really, when there is a true... You know, when we really start seeing some cracks in the economy, um, bonds will react positively. On the equity side, these interest sensitives will do the same. Yeah. And so I think Enbridge and is, a, is an example of one of those interest sensitives that I think is very contrarian now, and I like contrarian plays. So I think Enbridge is a good one. It's a nice barbell to Motorola Solutions, too, which is a little bit more IT, not hyper growth, but just uh, obviously different sector representation. So those two would be two, of, uh, two calls that I think are, are set up quite well. Well for the next few quarters. Yeah, that's great. Can I ask you one question, one sector that seems to be, uh, you know, in a situation, a bit of a funk, or is there issues there? What I'd like to know is telcos. It looks like, you know, we look at TELUS, we look at Bell in Canada, uh, Rogers, AT&T, Verizon, all struggling. Yeah. Like, What's the reason behind that? Well, the U.S. issues are a bit different. They do have some of their infrastructure questions around lead um, and, and things like that. And I think just the U.S., it's just a different ball game because it is hyper-competitive down there. Obviously, they don't have, the, they don't have uh, the lack of choices we have in Canada. Uh, with the Canadians, though, it's really a head-scratcher, I'll be honest. Like, the, yeah. Rogers just had a phenomenal quarter. Uh, where you know we have a lot of new Canadians, which is which is exciting, but also the, you know these new Canadians come in and they they want a cell phone in their hand on day one. Yeah. So you could see that with their subscriber uh, loading on on you know on for for Rogers particularly was phenomenal. Um, so they they're not getting paid for paid on that, and I do believe it's more of the theme of the telcos and pipelines and traditional utilities really selling off more because of their interest sensitiveness. And people were worried about them maybe having too much leverage with rates going higher and things like that. Okay. Um, and them just being, so I don't think it's anything particularly on the fundamental side. I think they're just, they're just taking the brunt on a theme that's not in favor right now. But I do think, you know, as I mentioned with Enbridge as a potential, you know, Rogers or Telus, it'd be in the same theme. So okay. at some point, their fundamentals will be rewarded, or their defensiveness will be rewarded, and their fundamentals have been pretty solid recently. Oh, that's, that's great news, uh, uh, Stephen. Thanks for uh, taking the time to join us. No problem, Richard. It was great having you on the time. show, and thanks for being so frank with all of your questions, and continued success with the uh, EGF North American Dividend Fund. Yeah, thanks, Richard. All Anytime. right, you take care. Have a good day. Okay, that was Stephen Dench. He's the Vice President and Portfolio Manager at AGF Investments. Remember, commissions, trailing commissions, management fees, and expenses all may be associated with mutual fund and ETF investments. The distributions are not guaranteed, and they may fluctuate. Please read the prospectus before you invest. Mutual funds and ETFs are not guaranteed. Their values change frequently, and past performance may not be repeated. This show is sponsored in part by AGF Investments. Folks, that's all the time that we have for today's show. Remember... Uh, to call Dominique to get the guide for this week. And it's called the 2023 Financial Planning Strategies for Those 65 Plus. It's a great guide. Just came hot off the press this week, and we're giving it out to you. And the best part, free for the asking. Just call this number, 1-866-891-2637. That's 1-866-891-2637. You guys have a great week, and we'll see you right back here next week at 10 a.m. I'm Richard Infantino, and you've been listening to Primetime Money. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads. 
Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.